Thank you for being here at our second service this morning. Uh, just a couple of announcements before we go on. Um, the youth camp is happening at the moment. They've been away from Friday with the young people, with Pastor Reese and all the other youth leaders. So they've been having a great time down there. God's moving amongst our young people, uh, which is brilliant. You know, it's why they do the weekends away. Uh, so that's why I've been left now with the announcements. So the first and most important one is we have some new grandparents in here. Uh, we're delighted for Barry and Elsie. As Meredith had, uh, uh, Meredith and Daniel had a little baby girl, Macy. Have I got that right? Yes. Eight pound and one ounce. That's I know all the ladies like to know the weight of the baby. I never get that, like, but they do. They do. So we are delighted uh, for, for Barry and Elsie and the whole family and stuff for that. Just the other announcements. If you any kids in here, then kids' space is on if you head to the back. And then Lydia is there. <clears throat> we have a parent and baby room for those who are worried about the kids being maybe a little bit uh, disruptive or noisy while church is on we love kids here in this church but we do have a parent and baby room just round to the side there someone a director and you can watch the um, you can watch the service on the screen in there tomorrow is the refresh lunch club uh, so we are looking forward to this, one o'clock uh, here, and we have uh, Jim Lonsdale coming to sing, but we also have the Springfield School Children's Choir who are coming down to sing tomorrow, as well as homemade soup, uh, and so always a great day. There's no age restriction on this, so everybody's welcome to come. If you're free tomorrow, one o'clock uh, in the church here on Tuesday night, is the pastor's Bible study continuing on with that series on the Holy Spirit? Uh, and you can see there we're going to speak on, and the greatest of these is our title. Uh, all the tickets are available for all the events at Christmas. So we've got the Man Up, the Maids of Honour, uh, the Church Christmas Party, and also we mentioned last Sunday night about the, the Senior Citizens Christmas Lunch we're putting on for the over 60s. Uh, so you can get your tickets for that uh, today. It's free. We just want to bless the oldies, I mean the senior citizens in the, in the church and stuff. You, you know who you are. Some of you are worried that you think you don't want people to know that you're 60. Uh, so listen, you can do this discreetly, okay? You can go around the side and talk to Paula and just whisper into Paula's ear and just say, I'm over 60, okay? No embarrassment. We won't announce it from the front, okay? Not yet anyway. Anyway, but, uh, but listen, please make sure you get your tickets for the event. Please don't get tickets for anybody who doesn't come to the church. Um, at the moment, we're limiting it just to the people uh, that regularly attend church and stuff. So uh, we, we obviously would like to do that. So please get your tickets uh, there today. The, the hampers are we collecting food for. Thank you to everybody who came and filled the invitation boxes. Uh, inside all of these boxes is a few goodies and uh, a tract and uh, invitation to everything we're doing in church over Christmas and stuff. So these are going out to the 150 closest houses to the church and stuff. Now, we need some help delivering them. So we're going to deliver them on Friday at 11 o'clock. Uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, that is. 11 o'clock in the morning. And if you're free and would like to come and help us, um, you just have to be fit and able. There's no age restriction. If you can carry a couple of boxes and then deliver them, then we're going to meet here at 
11 o'clock on Friday. But this is a fantastic opportunity. It's one of the things that we do. We're praying over all of these boxes, believing that somebody is not just going to accept the invitation to church, but the invitation uh, to Jesus and stuff. So that's why this is uh, really important. So that's 11 o'clock on Friday. I think that's all the notices. I'm going to pray and then we'll get into the word. Father, we thank you to gather in your house with your people, Father. What a tremendous opportunity, Lord, we see. Uh, even with these boxes in front of us, Lord, to say, go out, um, invite to church, but more importantly to you. So, Father, we pray a blessing and over them, Lord. Pray, Father, as they go into the many houses and families, Lord, in this community closest to our church, there will be a response to that invitation. Father, we thank you today, Lord, as we come around your word, that you always have something to say to us. Your word is alive. Your word challenges us, it teaches us, it blesses us. And Father, we pray that you would do that once again in the time that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. If you're a visitor here this morning, maybe it's your first time here and stuff, then listen, let us know at the door, uh, you know, that this is your first time. We have a special uh, bag, gift bag that we would like to give you, uh, just to let you know uh, about the church and stuff. And Pastor Reese always says that there's, there's just something in it, a treat for you in it and stuff. Though I've, I've yet to check, to be honest with you. So, but there is one of those. So let us know at the door. I should into, I'm Pastor Matt. Uh, uh, two pastors here Pastor Reese is away uh, with the young people but if it's your first time here then we're delighted to see you this morning and stuff um, way back in September 2022 which was last year it says we started a sermon series uh, on the Gospel of Matthew uh, which started at the beginning and um, in, in, in my wisdom after being led by the Lord I thought it would be a good idea to work our way through 28 chapters of Matthew which we're going to keep going with it because we're halfway through at the moment and stuff and I'm not a quitter so we'll keep going the only time I'll stop is when everybody stops coming to church so there you go that's not a reason not to come to church that's just me saying that's the only reason I'm going to stop because I think God has something to say to us as we work our way through uh, scripture quite systematically and consistently and so this is why we're doing Matthew we'll come to a part in the gospel of Matthew which if you've ever been around church you will have heard this story a few times uh, Jesus walks on water he encourages Peter to walk on water and Peter in a sense fails he sinks and stuff and, and so we've called this fix your eyes on Jesus the three quotes because I like a quote the first one is if you look at the world you'll be distressed if you look within you'll be depressed if you look at God you'll be at rest wherever our eyes look towards would determine the attitude of heart that we have doesn't it you know it's easy I mean if you watch the news at the moment it can be easy to become distressed and depressed about what's going on uh, <coughs> in the world but Corrie Ten Boom there says well if you look at God you'll be at rest in the middle of the distress and the depression and the storms he says we can be at rest William Carey the great Baptist missionary said this he says expect great things of God and attempt great things for God and then finally because this really ties in with the end of the passage that we're looking at today uh, because one of the things you must understand with the disciples is the disciples on a journey with Jesus and it's easy to often think of the disciples as ones that are just sitting around and Jesus is teaching them all the time almost like lecturing them and showing just teaching them that what he wants them to do and stuff but they are on a journey because they need to come to a realization and a revelation of who Jesus Christ is as well 
Uh, and so that's part of the journey that they are on. And in chapter 14, as we come to the end of this, we will see that something happens here with the disciples that gives them the revelation of who Jesus really is. Uh, and so the third quote really ties in with this, which is the revelation of God is the fuel for the fire of our worship. When God reveals himself to us, he says that's a fuel for our fire worship. That's a reason we worship. It's a reason we can worship in the storms, reason we can worship in the distress and stuff. So the, the story that we're looking at, we continue on with Matthew 14, is this, is verse 22 says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The context of this story, because it's found in Matthew 14, and there are already quite a few big events that have happened already. Uh, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has been uh, beheaded by Herod, and Jesus has been distressed, and after that and stuff, he goes out, and there's a crowd there, and the crowd want to listen to what he's got to say. And we looked at the feeding of the 5,000 the last time, that Jesus uh, performs his miracle that feeds uh, 5,000 people, plus many more that were women and children. But he gets to this point where he makes the disciples get into the boat to go across the lake. Jesus wanted to escape the crowd and he wanted to spend some time praying. Uh, in John, which tells the same story but just with a different focus, it says that Jesus, the crowd responded to this miraculous feeding because it's in the miracle with this sort of messianic expectation that suddenly they're beginning to realise that Jesus may be who they have been waiting for, that he is who he says he is and stuff, but this was not the right time particularly for the disciples who, who need to come to that realisation and revelation as well. So it wasn't the time for them. So Jesus puts the disciples in a boat and sends them across the lake. But then a storm blows up and the disciples face this storm uh, because they'd obeyed Jesus' direct command. We have to understand sometimes not all our moments in life are smooth and we would know that, you know, we would know because there are difficulties and there are challenges in life in the circumstances and situations we face. And not all our hardships and trouble are the result of our bad choices. It's just sometimes that's the way life is, isn't it? That just We feel that much like the disciples in the boat that we get battered and buffeted about by the winds and the waves of life. But in the middle of this storm, Jesus walks on water out to the disciples in the lake. Now the response of the disciples, which would be the response of us as well, is that suddenly they were afraid and they were full of fear and cried out in fear. 
Now, you would understand that if anybody was walking on water, that would be the fear. It would be bad enough that the storm is battering them uh, and, and stuff, but suddenly you see this figure approaching them. Jesus doesn't say very much in this story, but what he does say, much like everything else, is of great significance. And we see the three statements that he makes that we're going to look at. First, he says this, he says, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So the first thing he does to say to the disciples who are fearful is simply take courage. You don't need to be afraid, it's me, it's Jesus. And Jesus is performing this miracle of walking on water. Now this expression in the original language, it is I, it is an important statement because five letters in three words. John 8 verse 58 when the Pharisees and the religious teachers start to challenge Jesus and start to say to him, you know, he says, well, who are you and where have you come from? We don't believe who you are. Jesus says this, he says, before Abraham was born, I am. I am is a description of, of God in the Old Testament. Jesus was telling them that, that he was God. And so here, this language that is used here in this story is Jesus is using a clear title that demonstrates that he is God, using language only God can use. That's why he said, listen, don't be afraid. If somebody says to you, don't be afraid, they're giving you the reason why you shouldn't be afraid. Take courage, it is I. But then Jesus says a second thing, which is just one word, come. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, then let me come to you. Now, Jesus could have turned around and said no, but Peter, he says, listen, come, come to me and stuff and it's an invitation to move forward to come and approach him it's a word that we've seen all the way through the gospel of Matthew it's a theme of our vision uh, for the three years that we're in at the moment the different invitations that there are in this letter that Jesus gives an invitation for people to come to him to go for him to serve him to follow him and here we see that invitation is the same that Peter sees Jesus and says you know what if he can do it I can do it as well and so he steps out uh, on the, on the, to the water. But it tells us what happens is uh, Peter begins to walk towards Jesus. So we can see that actually his faith actually takes him towards Jesus. But what happens then is he notices the wind and the waves and it says he begins to sink. And then Jesus challenges Peter after he rescues him and he says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Now, little faith is a statement that is used through the letter that simply means it lacks confidence or trust too little, an underdeveloped faith. How many of us, myself included, whenever we're faced with the challenges and difficulties of life, will we'll ignore the, the opportunity to put our faith in God and maybe try and fix the problem ourselves? And the problem is with Peter, it is doubt. It begins to doubt. It's important to notice here that the wind and the waves were always there, that they hadn't stopped at any point. But Peter took that great step to step out of the boat. But suddenly, once he begins to see the wind and the waves and take his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sink. And so Peter's response as he comes is actually, but I think we have to admire his faith. He's still the one that stepped out of the boat. I mean, Bartholomew never stepped out of the boat. I mean, Matthew never stepped out of the boat. Judas never stepped out of the boat. There was something with Peter that came along and he stepped out of the boat. And he stepped out of the boat because, not because it's simply, if it's you, Lord. He said, since it's you, 
actually a statement of faith there at the beginning was great. He saw Jesus and he thought, well, Jesus can walk on water. I, I am learning to become like Jesus. I'm a disciple of him. So therefore I can step out into the boat. And he steps out in faith at the invitation of Jesus. Always say this to people, whatever, because sometimes when we face decisions in life and difficulties and challenges that happen, the easiest thing to do is our own thing. The easiest thing to do is to go our own way. And you always say to people, listen, if God is, if you're going to do something, make sure it's at the invitation and calling of Jesus. Make sure he's the one that said to you, much like Peter, he says, come and accept that invitation. Because sometimes maybe when we're having a hard time, maybe sometimes when we're getting a hard time, maybe there are times when we feel like giving up or quitting, we think it would be easier if I just do this. I've shared the story many times. I drive past McDonald's in Carrick Fergus on the way home on a Sunday night. I think to myself, it would be so much easier working in there with hamburgers and people. And you, know, and you look at it and say, you know, but that's not the truth or the reality of it. It's doing what God has called you to do. You see, here in this situation with Peter, he steps out at the invitation of Jesus. And actually, his faith should be commended. His faith should be commended. He understands this. This is so true that Peter understood this. It doesn't take faith to observe a miracle, but it does take faith to be part of one. And I thought, that's a great statement there, isn't it? That actually, Peter doesn't want to be like the other disciples. He doesn't want to look here and say, you know what, I'm just happy watching Jesus walk on water. I want to give this a go. Uh, and I'm not encouraging it. We don't read this story because it's a command for us because we'll come on to the reason for the story at the end. This is not read because there are times people read the Bible and say, oh, well, that must mean we can all walk on water because we're looking at Jesus. I guarantee you this, if you try and walk on water this afternoon, you'll sink. I'm telling you that now. So don't, I didn't warn you. It's not telling us to go and walk on water. It, that's not what the story is about. Peter's faith is being commended because unlike the other disciples, he wants to step out in faith and go towards Jesus because faith gave him the power to do what was right. But despite his doubts and fears, but they overwhelmed him in his faith. It's his faith in Jesus because I'm encouraged by this. There are two things that he does. The first one, he's the only one that gets out of the boat. And the story says he began to move towards Jesus, which means there were steps of faith to go towards Jesus. I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by his faith, not by the ones just sitting in the boat saying, what's he doing? Why is he doing this? What's going on there? You know, and I'm encouraged by what Peter does. But then Peter teaches us something else as well, because he prays the shortest, most effective prayer that, that you could pray. When he just says, Lord, save me. Now, the problem is when you're drowning or sinking, you don't have time for a long prayer with a lot of theological points in it. It says, if you're sinking and drowning, you want to pray the shortest, most effective prayer that there is. And often, the shortest, most effective prayers, are, are sorry, the shortest prayers are the most effective prayers. Why? Because we look at this and we see that God is not as much interested in the length of our prayers as he is in the desperation of our prayers. How many times when we are desperate about things do we think, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. And often at times we just pray the shortest prayers that there are. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. 
Lord, heal them. Lord, be with me. Says all of those. And listen, I, I'm not saying anything about people who pray long because we all know people who pray long. Oh, we know them, don't we? And they pray. I'm not looking at anybody in particular in here at all, okay? Just make sure I look this way, okay? And nothing wrong with that. But here in this situation, we just see Peter saying, he says, I'm about to sink. I'm about to drown in the middle of a lake where the winds and the waves are battering me. He says, this does not need to be a polite request here. This request simply needs to be, Lord, save me. And he stretches up his hand and that. And it says, immediately, immediately, Jesus stretches out his hand and rescues him. Aren't you glad that Jesus does stuff immediately? Aren't you glad that maybe we're not waiting around? We maybe wait around and stuff, but Jesus immediately uh, stretches out to, to rescue him. And you know, even when Peter failed, Jesus was there to save him. I mean, this is what I would have done. So you would have been glad if you're ever drowning, you don't want me rescuing you. Peter took his eyes off Jesus. He says he begins to sink. And then I would have been looking for the lesson as they were dropping down underwater, saying to them, I said, your own fault you're sinking. He said, I would have let them swash about for a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Catching their breath. And then eventually, I maybe would have rescued them. Some of you would have left there a bit longer. But for <laughs> some people there, said you would have. And Jesus doesn't do that. Immediately, he stretches out his hand and he rescues Peter. And I thought, what a great thought. And you know, what Jesus does with Peter is incredible. And it's really the heart of what our church should be. Because it's the example of Jesus here. He says, and it comes from this thought that I've said before, that failure is an event and never a person. Peter has failed. Oh, we, we, we acknowledge that he, he stepped out of the boat and he was young, but he failed. He said, you know, Jesus didn't bring him back into the boat and say, well, that's it, Peter. I've had enough of you. Do you know what? He said, you haven't learned anything. You've been with me all the way through this and you haven't learned a thing yet. See, when we get back onto land, he says, go back to fishing. I don't want you with me anymore. I want to find somebody else who's going to be able to do what I'm asking them to do. And you know what? Jesus doesn't do that, does he? He says he rescues him and he brings him back in the boat because he understands that thought. The failure is an event and never a person. We may have failed at everything. We may have failed at every test we've ever sat. We may have failed at every exam we've ever done. We may have failed at even bigger things and sense and feel that we are a failure. But people are not failures because failure is an event and never a person. Because Jesus does that with Peter because Jesus doesn't see Peter as he is. He sees Peter as he's going to become because this is the man who preaches on the day of Pentecost, isn't it? This is a man who preaches the first gospel message there on that day. And Jesus sees that. Jesus could have got rid of him and said, well, look, you sang, you know, that looks bad. Do you know what I mean? He says, you know, he's not really learning here, Peter. He doesn't do that. He rescues him. It's an encouragement for us today that he doesn't discard us. He just, you know, the best place for people who feel like failures to come to? Church. Why would you not come to church? If you don't, what, what, what would you do? Say, so, well, I don't feel good enough to go to church. That's an awful statement. I, I don't mind. And I would look at this and say, you know what? No matter how you feel, it says there was a seat for everybody. No matter how much you failed, 
There's a seed for everybody. It doesn't matter what mistakes they've made. It says there is a seed for everybody because this is a place where we give God an opportunity to turn our lives around, to give him the opportunity to fix, to, to look after us, to guide us. To, he'd taken the disciples on a lesson here. And Peter, we see further on down what God had done in his life. Because even though Peter had messed up, he says he understood that it was a vent and never a person. But it tells us this, and this is really the conclusion of the message. When Jesus and Peter climbed into the boat, it said they worshipped him. And I thought, what, what a tremendous response. Why did they worship him? They, had not, they didn't worship him because he'd done a miracle. Because they'd been witnessing miracles all the way along. They'd seen the feeding of the 5,000 and the healing of the sick and all the other miracles that Jesus had done. They worshipped him because they realised suddenly at that point that Jesus was the Son of God. That was a revelation that they received. That was more important than the miracles that Jesus was doing. That was more important than anything else that the disciples, as they got into the boat, realised, hey, this man truly is the Son of God. That was the words that were written. It says we see that worship is a proper response to seeing both the power and the love of Jesus at work. They had seen the power because he had calmed the wind and the waves. But they'd seen the love as well in the way he had rescued Peter. But isn't that what Christ Jesus had come to do, to rescue people? But he'd also come so people would see his power. But this was the important bit now. Because we're 14 chapters into Matthew. And it's the first time we see the disciples worshipping Jesus for being the Son of God. Sure, we'd seen other things, uh, the Christmas story, the Magi from the East worship Jesus. Chapter 8, we'd seen the leper who got healed and fell down on his knees to worship Jesus. We'd seen the synagogue ruler in chapter 9 do the same thing. But this is the first time the disciples worship Jesus. They had experienced on the journey who Jesus was and what Jesus had done. And suddenly they worshipped him. Now, now suddenly what happens is their worship is tied to their confession because they realised he was the son of God. So the worship was truly he is the son of God and that's why they worshipped. You see, there was a similar story to this in Matthew chapter 8 where they were all in a boat and the wind and the waves are battering the boat and Jesus stands up and he says, be still. And the wind and the waves were died down. And the response of the disciples then was, who is this man that he calms the seas? You see, they had moved from, who is this man, in chapter 8, to he is the son of God, in chapter 14. That's what the revelation of God does. That's why when it comes to worship, and often worship sometimes can be a bit contentious, and people will say things to me, we should sing hymns, we should sing choruses, and we shouldn't sing hymns by them, and we should sing hymns by them, and we don't know to sing hymns by the choruses, and all of that. And actually, sometimes we miss the point of it. We miss the point that we're worshipping Jesus because he is the Son of God. He is the Saviour of the world. We get caught up in the wording and we get caught up in sometimes the lights and the sound and everything. And listen, none of that really matters, to be honest with you. The disciples were on a boat 
in the middle of a lake, probably soaking wet, being battered by the wind and the waves, and Jesus had calmed down. There was no CD player. There was no guitarist sitting in the back ready to strum a few chords. There was none of that. And yet they worshipped because it had been revealed to them that this was the Son of God. I think for us we have an advantage with good worship, great worship leaders. They'll come and lead us in worship. He says for the disciples they didn't have, but the realisation is the same. And we get caught up in it sometimes. For them I want to be like the disciples that I see Jesus' power and I see his love and I receive the revelation that he is the son of God. He is the son of God. And that's where we're at. That's the conclusion of chapter 14 as we are here. That this is what worship is. It's acknowledging who God is and praising him both for who he is and for what he has done. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today. We thank you. God, give us the heart of the disciples. That though it was a journey through the gospel of Matthew, they come to this realisation. They're not just being taught stuff by Jesus. They come to this revelation that he is your son. And Father, help us to have that revelation. That it wasn't the miracles that did that. And it wasn't the power that was shown that did that. They come to this point, the boat in the middle of a lake, in the middle of the night, suddenly realise this is the one that we have been waiting for. The Son of God, the Saviour of the world. Cause that revelation and truth to be implanted in our hearts today. Though we would know that truth, that revelation that changes our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.